knowledge of yourself is never anything that is irrelevant or wasteful even if the results aren't immediately visible it's still something about yourself that you're now taking control of welcome to the power hour the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success i'm adrienne herbert international speaker fitness coach adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur each week i'll be talking to today's leading coaches creatives change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits morning routines and rules to live by the power hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential whether you want to build a business write a book run a marathon or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration the power hour is going to help you get there faster Hey, welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Oh my gosh. I am so excited for this episode and to introduce you to today's guest. She is someone that is taking the world by storm. She's using her voice to speak out about identity, solitude, hair loss, and saggy boobs. She has caught the attention of BuzzFeed, Elle, Teen Vogue, Dazed, Harper's Bazaar, BBC Radio 1 Extra, and the list goes on. You may have seen her recently in a huge billboard in the latest London Adidas Originals campaign. This girl is everywhere and everyone's talking about her. Chidira Egaru, aka the Slumflower. Yeah! Oh my god, that was the best intro Welcome ever. to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, man. <laughs> I mean, that in that intro, I cut it shorter. You've been busy. Girl, I have. You have been busy. It's a lot. Yeah, but I'm so happy to have you here. So thank you for coming on the show. I'm really happy to be here. I was really looking forward to today. Yes. I mean, there's so many things I want to talk to you about today. But I'd love to start off by acknowledging you, really, for everything thank that you've you. done. Everything that you've achieved. I know how hard you work and how passionate you are about using your voice to educate and to empower others. So thank you. Oh, Honestly, you. it's, you're incredible. And I think everyone who knows you personally, professionally, speaks so highly of you. And it, yeah, it just shows your hard work. It's, it does not go unnoticed. Oh. But I have a feeling that you are only just getting started. Mm-hmm. So for everyone listening who does know you, who doesn't know you, can you just take us back a little bit um, and tell us how did this journey start? Yes, love that question. So it began for me in around 2014, which is when I first created my blog, theslumflower.com. And that was during a period where Tumblr was the buzzing and most exciting social media platform especially for creative people because it allowed us to get into this world where you could see so many people who shared identities with you that you probably wouldn't see as much in the real world offline especially depending on where you live Um, and that really encouraged me to understand that blackness is so beautiful and that it's okay to be outspoken about what you care about and that as a young black girl, I can be as multifaceted as I want to be. But at the time, which is 2014, when I started the blog, the only fashion blogs that I saw at the time were like by white women who were middle class and they all literally looked the same as each other. Like I could describe how they looked, where they'd have the same sort of balayage hairstyle, um, Max Mara camel coat, yeah. uh, Chelsea boot, 
um and don't forget the chanel handbag yes that was the style that i used to see all the time everywhere and it reached a point where i couldn't vicariously live through that sort of content anymore because i just didn't feel like i could ever have that lifestyle or that i would ever look like them so i looked around and thought where are the black bloggers like where are the black girls that are blogging and i wasn't seeing enough of them so i thought well i want to be one of them too uh, and that's when I decided that slumflower.com is going to exist. And it was a place where I would uh, post photos of me wearing outfits, but I wouldn't just talk about clothes. I would also talk about the decision-making process when picking out certain outfits and how society has conditioned us to feel good in some things and worse in others, depending on how we look and how desirability plays into how you choose to um, view yourself and value yourself and all these things would spin off from the conversation starting from just clothes and since that point that was what I was pretty much known for yeah so that was 2014 yeah so that's actually four years um, yeah whereas I think because you've obviously exploded and people you know now probably know you for lots of other things as well but actually again four years you know you've been putting in the work and and you know sharing your message for a long time yeah yeah so let's talk about what a time to be alone <laughs> yes your book so when we let me think so when we were in Berlin a few months ago yeah before the book launch and we were chatting in the car in a taxi and and yeah, you were telling me about the book and, you know, when it was coming out and everything. So I guess we couldn't have, well, I guess you couldn't have predicted exactly how <laughs> amazing the the response would be and how well mm-hmm. it would do. So can you tell us a bit about the book and why you decided to write What a Time to Be Alone? Yes. So we were actually in Berlin because we were doing our TEDx talk together. And But with What a Time to Be Alone, first of all, the title What a Time to Be Alone Uh, was heavily inspired by the phrase what a time to be alive which is something you say when you're just trying to express how crazy life is whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing it's just something that people say but then I wanted to play on those words and use what a time to be alone because I've seen and noticed that we have a fear of being alone and that manifests differently in different people and so I really wanted to open up an important dialogue about solitude and try to encourage people to see value in their own company because I feel like there are so many failed relationships and friendships and so many things that we're doing wrong that we can really easily rectify if we learn to look at ourselves So the book isn't there to fix you. It's there to essentially hold a mirror right in front of you and allow you to see yourself. But it then gives you the option of, you know, choosing to take action or choosing to pretend you never saw that. It's up to you. But at least you're having that conversation with yourself, which is the which is the start. And some people never get to have that start. So with What a Time to Be Alone, it lets you have that start. Um, But even during the period when I was writing it, I never knew that it would do this well I just come from my publisher's office before I was here and I found out that it's on its third print run now which is really exciting so what that means so each print run is 10,000 copies um, so it's on its third now, which means that it's, I think, 30,000 copies are now being printed. Wow. Um, and that, that basically just lets you know how much have been sold if I've managed to clear through the first two print runs, which is really, really exciting. Um, and I'm proud of that. Very proud of In a matter of, of months. Month. Because it came out in July. Wow. 20,000 copies. And yeah honestly congratulations thank you wow. so much wow I mean I've read the book I love the book thank I have you. told so many people about the book and my favorite quote from the book is a page that says do you know how short life is 
And on the next page, it says, too short to be convincing other people that you are worthy. Mm-hmm. Which I just, yeah, I love that page. The earth is melting and our world leaders are doing way too much. We're all going to die. So that means that the time we have left here should not be spent trying to win people over who've already decided that we're never going to be good enough for them. It's a redundant thing to do. And it's something that I've had to learn to stop doing because it only makes you feel worse and it only makes your anxieties flare up. Yes. I love what you're saying and and I'm somebody who's very I live my life with a sense of urgency you know this is called the power <laughs> hour I'm, I'm conscious of time and as you said we're not going to be here forever and not in a morbid way but I just believe that the time that we have you know should be spent doing the things we want to do being mm-hmm. the people we want to be being with the people we want to be with and as you said not kind of holding ourselves back or trying to be like someone else or do something to please other people um because you don't have that much time and you should spend it celebrating yourself and being yourself absolutely completely agree with you and i really want people to understand that like your own standards for your life are the only standards you need to live up to because the world does convince us in various ways that we need to be this level of ourselves for our family and this level of ourselves for the outside world and this level of ourselves for our job or for our child and of course those are important but if you are burning yourself out or just living out of your character then it's only you that is going to be um wishing you let yourself be yourself more when you get to like 80 years old if you're lucky enough and you look back on your life and you just think i just really wish i let myself be myself more that's like my that's like my biggest fear i don't i don't want to be 80 and look back on my 20s and my 30s and my 40s just wishing i was more of myself when i'm seeing other people just live their own life knowing that there are no consequences for being yourself Mm, yeah i love that i think i've I mean, I'm 31 and I think I'm becoming more of myself than ever before. I think if I look back to, yeah, my teenage years, um, in my early 20s, I definitely felt at that time that I was trying to dilute myself. I was trying to be a lesser version of me because I think, you know, when you're a child, things that people say, some things stick with you, some things don't. And something that really sticked with me was um, being called a show off. So I think when you're a confident young person and you're loud and, you know, I was always into sport. So I'm very, I was very competitive in a sporting environment. Mm -hmm. So I would, you know, if I was running a race, I was there to win. Like I wanted to win. And I know (laughs) that that's not something that is uh, encouraged, especially in young women, because, you know, we're not supposed to necessarily be competitive or celebrate our successes. And I was very much like, I want to win. I want to beat you. I want to, you know, I was maybe like 10 years old, but actually I found that response from my peers really yeah like that whole notion of being called a show-off really stuck with me and I actually hated that so I think in my late teens and early 20s I think I was very conscious of being like okay I can't act like this or I can't be like that or I need to be less loud or less enthusiastic or less myself because it's too much yeah um but now as I said I'm 31 and I just think I'm kind of happier to be myself because I know not everyone's gonna like everything not everyone's gonna like me but I am an encourager i am who you I are am. you're a really good encourager you encourage me to do so many things yeah but i can't help it so i'm like why you know i am that person who's gonna go yes you should do that Top you're brilliant enabler. at that yes that is me <laughs> buy that thing do this thing book it now book the tickets do it i always telling people yes and as you said you have one life so i might like, do those things um and i've stopped trying to dilute myself now i think this is just yeah i'm really happy for you about that because there's no one's place to shame you for your joy and I think that's where the whole fear of being a show-off comes from. It comes from the belief that you don't deserve to be that happy. And if you are, then you should stop doing that because you're making other people feel bad 
but it's not your responsibility to make other people happy you can't make like making someone happy that's a huge responsibility and I don't think any human being is capable of that ultimately so for people to make you feel like you are a meanie for being happy with your achievement that only shows how they feel about themselves and how they view their own achievements and maybe they probably don't even have as much which is why anytime they see you celebrating they're like can you not (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I guess as I said I was young but it is funny the things that kind of stay with us and the other things Mm. because I know that I think I'm quite resilient and in other ways I'm sure kids probably said things to me you know kids can be cruel man and I know I you know kids said mean things to me and I think some of it I was just like whatever I didn't care like I had bushy eyebrows there was no mixed race girls in my class I you know what I mean like kids can be mean and I just some stuff just didn't really bother me but that must have stuck with me for some reason Hmm. hmm, interesting but I want to talk to you about well two things because as we were just talking about then you know identity confidence I feel like you are somebody who is incredibly confident especially for you know someone who's so young and so how have you developed that confidence have you always been that confident so I haven't always been this confident in fact my my lowest point of confidence was when I used to be in this creative collective um so that was back in 2014 when I started doing the slumflower.com and I was surrounded by loads of boys because the creative collective consisted of photographers, videographers. I was kind of like a stylist slash blogger at the time. Um, so what we would do is just work together and pass opportunities amongst ourselves and where we could collaborate, we would do that. And it was a nice dynamic for a while, but I felt like I had to be a performed version of myself. And I often felt compelled to shrink myself because they were boys. And the, with the way misogyny works, it means that, you know, women have got to be desirable um but also smart but not too smart you just basically have to be balancing about 12 plates whilst looking absolutely pretty and not breaking a sweat but even when you do all that you're still going to be condemned and so while I was in that environment I found myself feeling like I really needed to prove myself to them more than I needed to prove myself to my passion and that was when I realized that I wasn't even living for myself anymore I was living for this idea of myself that they had projected onto me based on their own um, insecurities and the whole system of patriarchy that we operate in that, you know, makes women have to jump through hoops to prove that they deserve to be in the room. I felt a lot of that. So I eventually left two years later and that was where life really began for me because I felt really scared that if I leave... Um, I'm not going to have the opportunities I have access to. I'm not going to have someone to help me take photos for my blog. Um, I'm not going to have anyone around to encourage me. But I feel like if you are hard-headed enough about what you stand for, and if you are strong-willed enough to believe that you're deserving of all those great things, it means that even if you leave that situation that you think you need to be in, you will still find other circumstances that will work for you so even after I had left that collective found a photographer who became my friend and we were shooting together for like the next two years um I was able to rebuild my website by myself um I was overwhelmed with so many opportunities that I know would not have come if I had remained in that particular environment because I wasn't the version of myself I needed to be in order to be receptive to those new opportunities that were waiting for me once I had stopped begging these people to see me for who I wanted them to see me as um but now that I've left that environment and I'm now seeing that choosing myself has been the best idea possible 
um, that's where my confidence has come from and knowing that no one can do me like me um, and but also knowing that I'm the only me in the world which means I'm not competing with anyone and I just get to relax and have fun while I see other people just doing so much trying to break sweats and and compete and do all that and I get it because certain industries are more competitive than others especially music mm. but I still feel like even if you're operating in that kind of industry knowing who you are and what you stand for and what your core values are should allow you to create a safe foundation for you to build self-confidence on knowing that like, you, you're, you're already here because you deserve to be here all you have to do now is just be resilient and hard-headed enough to continue through that process and not feel the need to perform a version of yourself for people who have already decided that they don't like you that's something I'm so glad I've stopped doing because it's the most tiring time-wasting thing ever to constantly try to be liked it's so boring and look at look at you now <laughs> look they're at me seen, now girl they're seeing you now they're seeing it now yeah wow and for people for anyone listening who thinks you know I just don't have that confidence I don't have that self-belief in myself like what would you advise what would you say to them I would encourage them to think about why they want to do this thing they want to do because that's the most important reason above everything. It's about why you want to do it. Not how you're going to do it. Why do you want to do it? Why does this, why does this idea matter? Why do you need to be the person that's going to put that particular idea out into the world? Um, because then once you have that as, you are, as your solid reason as to why you're doing it, you can then work around how you're going to do it but as long as that intention follows you through everything then you'll be able to move through the world with a sense of confidence knowing that there's purpose behind what you're doing rather than just trying to impress people mm. yeah and I guess what you said about you know the environment that you were in you had to change that environment in order to I guess to build that self-confidence so I think for some people it might be the environment but it's also the relationships you know I know we've discussed this you know privately before and I think often when people are surrounded with those relationships that don't allow them to thrive to be themselves to celebrate themselves it can be really difficult in that space to cultivate your confidence yes completely so, agree yeah maybe people um who lack self-confidence maybe need to look at that as well yeah you know? because I feel like sometimes and I hate saying this but I do sometimes believe in it where like your success often looks like the people you surround yourself with. So if you're surrounding yourself with enablers like Adrian <laughs> and you are making sure to, you know, only only consume the work of those who are working as hard as you want to work, regardless of what that work looks like, it naturally means that your atmosphere is going to be quite different and you will find ways to subconsciously adapt to that and change your the way you speak to yourself and how you view situations that you you see as a challenge like it's all these things and so for me it had to start with making sure that those who are in my immediate space who I'm spending the most time around um they have to be people that are in some way or another reminding me of my greatness and there's a healthy atmosphere where I can come to them and be vulnerable and say this isn't working out and I'm really annoyed at myself and they give me room to vent or they just provide me with room to not have to be someone who is like amazing master achiever everything like some days you you aren't going to be excellent you're going to be really whack especially if you're trying a new thing but you need to make sure you're surrounding yourself with people that will welcome failure because we all know that the only way to learn is to be wrong and I can't imagine ever doing something for the first time and getting it absolutely right there's no learning in that at all and so you need to surround yourself with people that will welcome your failures and not attach your failures to your morality 
Yes, take that. And I think sometimes it's difficult for people to perhaps look at a relationship that is holding them back or, you know, somebody who isn't necessarily championing them, especially if it's a relationship you've had for a long time. You oh know, it gosh, can be a friend yes. who you've known for 10 years or it can be, you know, a family member. And sometimes that's really difficult for people to go, actually they either need to have that conversation and say you know I need you to support me with this I need you to um you know even if you don't understand what I'm doing or why I'm doing it if you love me then just do you know what I mean be here for me doing this or unfortunately if they're not then actually just distancing distancing yourself from them and saying you know what it's not a personal thing but this something that I'm doing and maybe when you know you just know those people and sometimes you're around them and you make you feel bad about yourself or you feel like you have to justify like why you being like who you are and I think I've had a relationship like that previously and I just thought you know what it's kind of sad but it's kind of not it's like you know some things all good things must come to an end and yeah I had to kind of let it go yeah and all good things come to an end because they finished showing you what you need to learn from that good thing but even in terms of like family relationships like you mentioned sometimes like and that's why I never advise just oh just cut them off and go sometimes you just can't and it mm. might put you in a more dangerous situation but like you were saying it's important to distance yourself and create healthy boundaries so if you can limit the amount of time you're spending around those people then that would help you a lot if that means you being out of the house more often and even if you're literally just meaninglessly hanging around in the studio of your friends at least one you're in an environment that is hopefully leading you to being more productive and putting you in that particular headspace based on the conversations being had in that studio and um, but two you're spending less time around those people which means less of their negative messaging is infiltrating your mind and overriding your own important voice and how you speak to yourself so it's things like that it's just about implementing healthy boundaries you don't have to you don't have to cut people off in order to stop them from um imposing on your inner voice but if you can cut people off definitely but for situations where you can't it's not it doesn't mean that you are helpless. It just means it's now time for you to figure out a strategy. Like you've got to use that situation as a way that will let you develop strategic thinking. Cause that's what I had to do. And that strategic thinking follows me through every other aspect of what I do because I'm able to foresee things about three steps ahead and think, okay, if this person's going to react in this explosive manner, then here's how I'm going to do it to make sure I don't get an explosive reaction that will emotionally set me back by a week. So you've got to learn to do that and map out everything. You basically just have to become this mastermind where you need to make sure that you are five steps ahead at all times. Doesn't mean you, you're, you're, you know, booked way into 2020 not that but I mean that you just need to make sure that you are implementing necessary boundaries but also you are making sure you're taking care of yourself and protecting yourself and prioritizing your safety whilst pursuing this new version of yourself that you absolutely deserve to be hear it people (laughs) again for the people in the back (laughs) so i want to talk to you a little bit about social media um obviously you use social media you have these days almost two hundred thousand people following you on like that's a lot of people you imagine all those people in one place that's like the o2 arena times 10 you know I mean, yeah, it's crazy, right? And I believe, you know, I think sometimes social media gets a lot of bad press, particularly when it comes to young people and the effect that social media is having on our lives. Personally, I recognize that like anything in life, there's both good and bad, but I see so many incredible things happening online, so many amazing campaigns, amazing people, amazing messages, things that never would have existed if it wasn't for social media. So I guess, how do you navigate using social media and your growing popularity online? Oh, so 
first of all, I agree with you that social media isn't entirely bad. Because if there wasn't social media, I would not have met you. Oh. I actually wouldn't have met you. You know, <laughs> sis. <laughs> um, but outside of that as well, um, for me, maneuvering social media includes just picking my battles. So I see a lot of things on my on my feed and on my timeline that I disagree with and I just scroll past. The reason why is because I've found myself in the past being that person who'll be like, I vehemently disagree. And as much as it's healthy to air out how you feel about things, the problem is that social media is a very heated atmosphere. It's the equivalent to confronting someone and they're already in the company of like 20 people. So it already changes the context of that confrontation, regardless of how well intended it is. You've got to make sure you maybe privately confront them so that they won't feel embarrassed and then become defensive and then feel insulted. So it's about understanding like the the nature of that particular atmosphere but for me, manoeuvring social media as well means understanding that I don't need to prove that I'm smart. I don't need to prove that I care about things. There are so many things that I see happening and for my own sense of peace of mind, I've got to tap out. I'm not going to perform outrage for anything that I feel is only going to leave me feeling really, really deflated and really hurt. Um, but also... I'm learning to recognise as well that social media is a very interesting place where there are a lot of people who pretend they don't see you but they are definitely inspired by you or even are aware of you and so it means that I've learnt to not get so carried away by the numbers or even attached um, to the numbers because I know that for every for every one person who follows me I would say there are probably about two or three people who are aware of me but choose not to follow me for whatever reason that is but it means that there is a lot more people there are a lot more people that know about you than you think and so it means that you've got to not necessarily treat social media as this channel where you're being your best absolute self but it's important to understand that even if you think no one is seeing your work someone is seeing it and that consistency and that that um unwillingness to drop it just because you think you haven't got a large enough audience is what will take you where you need to be because I've, I didn't always have the audience that I have now but I was having I a know, lot of girl, fun I know girl followed you for a long time <laughs> it, I have a long time yeah. yeah but I was having so much fun with it um whilst also being able to notice certain patterns in you know what would make people follow me and where the peaks would arrive from that's something to do as well um But ultimately, understanding that you don't have to be a performed version of yourself for the internet because everybody is using the internet as a way to not just escape from um, their responsibilities and their reality, but also it's a place where a lot of people use the platform to create a persona that has a lot more... um, has a lot more respect and popularity than probably their real persona does and so that's something you don't want to get caught up in feeling like it's a a race with other people when really you're just using social media as a place to not just not just express yourself but to connect with other people that are doing what you do and I think that that that's something that we've lost the ability to do I, I worry that we're gonna forget to connect with people and we're just gonna be fighting with each other and trying to get everyone to think like us (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's interesting because as you say there's good and bad and I think that you know with everything it has ebbs and flows but I see you know as I said so many 
people who they just would not have had a voice they would not have had a platform they would not have had a um, an audience to share their message with in the first place had they had if we didn't have social media so yeah i guess it is a it's a balancing act and i think that what happens is things pendulum so when it's in the middle it's all good but then everything has to pendulum towards extremes yeah yeah and i liked what you said about not having to get into every battle because i know that I definitely don't do that online and I've had, you know, times when I've felt really passionate about something and been like, you know what? And then I'm like, I don't know, maybe something that I do acknowledge about you is, you know, you're very brave to share what you want to say in the right way online because putting yourself out into the world, you know, it can be daunting. It can have its consequences, good and bad. And I think you're somebody who's done that excellently and, you know, you continue to do that. So in some ways I'm like, Adrienne, you need to be braver. You have an opinion on that. So just say it like you're not going to be held for the, you know, just say it. But I think sometimes, as you said about, I'm just like, is it my battle? Is it, is it necessary? And like, there was an instance of thought of then in the summer where somebody posted something online that I really did not agree with. And I was just like, I was so, I think I almost wrote the comment and then went, hang on, backspace, just backspace. Take, yeah, just take a moment, <laughs> just, you know, and I actually deleted, I didn't post it. And then when I saw the person and it was a couple of days later and I kind of just said to him, look, can I just have a chat to you about this? Because obviously, you know, we're friends. I don't want to be fake. But I was also like, look, I, I, this is not cool. I was like, I really wanted to write this on there. But as you said, it's like a, it's like almost like a public conversation. And I didn't want to, yeah, name, shame, embarrass, anything yeah. like that. But I also was just like, please don't do that again. Please, please don't, don't be doing that again. Ever. We are not going to be friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess, you know, it's managing that. But um, yeah, so many good things. So many cool people. And as you said, we never would have met. So exactly. Grateful to the internet for that. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, okay, I'm going to talk to you about the Power Hour. This yes. is the Power Hour podcast. I don't know how much you know about my Power Hour, but essentially I get up early. You know that I get you up early. You do. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> so I get up early most days. And I think the reason that I really, when I first started getting up early and it first became my Power Hour, I think what I loved about it was that that time was uninterrupted. And I think in the world now, oh, my world especially, you know, with having Jude, with having social media, with having different jobs, different plates spinning, I felt like I need uninterrupted time where there's nothing coming in, nothing coming at me. There's no media. There's no, no one needs anything from me. I can just cultivate this time, which is, yeah, for me, it happens to be early. But I want to talk to you about your power hour. When do you have uninterrupted time? Do you go offline? Do you have time by yourself? You must have carved out time, focus time to create your book so yeah how do you do that <laughs> so my uninterrupted power hour is actually when I get home I go straight to my room and I just do the most random things like maybe just glue my wig onto my head or just or scroll my phone for an hour and a half doing absolutely nothing but just cackling at people's thoughts on the internet and that for me is really important because I spend most of my life you know 
talking and delivering speeches and offering insights and just giving and giving and giving a lot of myself and it is really really tiring so it's nice for me to be able to just go home and not have to deal with anyone because I live with my family and that's something that I as much as I love them I don't want to do that anymore because it doesn't give me room to just shed the day Mm. especially if you have to keep on interacting with people during your day you come home to still interact with people um for me I just feel like I'm in a place in life where I'd like to be fully alone um because that just gives me room to really just observe myself and I can't wait to live alone when my power hour is going to look so different where it'll just be like an excessive amount of candles that all have a different (laughs) smell so the smells are all just clashing okay (laughs) and I am still scrolling my phone yeah but I'm just there's no one shouting telling me to wash the plates (laughs) (laughs) that's what my ideal power hour is going to be okay amazing I love that so what time do you actually get up is it different every day Um, it's different every day I one thing I hate oh my god like I don't I don't do anything before 9 a.m like I'm my ideal waking up time is like 11 12 o'clock what I know to do it you know I'm spending like six seven hours of my day before you yeah you you have like you have extra time all the time you're like Mm. you're like you know Mario Kart the star the star one that makes that's just you all the time I'm like must be nice I'm constantly got green turtles around me literally um but yeah I I don't do early mornings. Okay. I just need to sleep. Girl, I need some sleep. But you're young. I feel like, you know, I know I read stuff about this, seriously, about adolescence and like, you actually do need more sleep when you're a teenager. I'm not sure about now. Well, but 23 is still a teenager in You my know, head. yeah. So you do need to sleep. And also, you probably have much more active evening social life than me. So yeah, therefore... Yeah, late evenings you know and I mean? early starts will kill me. Yeah, no, that's not good. I don't condone no sleep. For me, I'm I'm a granny man. I'm going to bed early. I do my to-do you list You do go to before. bed early. I, I, I'm in bed and I love it I feel like I used to stay up late I used to stay up late I used what? to be nothing I used to think I was <laughs> do you know what even when you had Jude yeah you're just I, playing with Jude no like, <laughs> he's like a, no he was in bed this is the thing so he's gone to bed I think because when he was at home so when I was um yeah before he started school I had much more time in the day with Jude you know and then I think once he went to bed it was almost like okay now it's my time to do my thing so yeah I used to go to bed when I say late it was probably midnight but I think the last two hours of the day I would have like you know my phone in one hand I might be watching TV I might be reading magazine I might be on the phone I just used to do stuff there was always stuff to do and (laughs) I probably could have gone to bed later maybe one Um, but yeah now now it gets to 9.30 and I've got honestly I've got my hair wrapped I've got my skincare done I'm in bed I'm reading I'm literally this is that's how I do the you are living the life it's the dream like going to bed early I'm like (laughs) Like you and Jude are basically in bed at the same time (laughs) (laughs) when did it become such a luxury to like just go to bed early but honestly capitalism it's been a game changer. <laughs> yeah it's been a game changer and the morning thing as i keep banging on about i know some of my guests are like yep i'm with you i'm up at half past five but for all those who are not don't know, be ashamed do not be ashamed <laughs> honestly if she i can... wake up at 12 and i still get stuff done so oh it's, it's, it's important point you're making about the fact that it's all relative to everyone just like how you get up before the sun like some of us we get up later but it's about i think it's relative to um, what you actually want to get done in the day. For example, if maybe you have important meetings and they're at three or four in the in the afternoon, then you don't need to be up that early if you don't want to or if you're just not able to be up that early, that's fine. There's no shame in that because I think um, there is a lot of talk about, you know, the, the earlier you get up, the more productive you are. But then mm-hmm. if you're forcing your body to be up early, but you aren't 
looking after it in order for it to be up early, then you're going to be tired by the time it gets to like four. Then you're going to procrastinate and waste loads of time and then go to bed late and then you're going to be like, well, I don't know what happened. So you're still not, you're not using your day as effectively. So it's, it's relative and it's all about those hours that are your crunch hours, like how you're using those. So for you, you start your day early and you get loads done. And for me, I start it late and I get those get loads done that go to bed late so it's still kind mm. of we're just using our 12 hours or mm. probably you're probably up even longer 12 yeah, but hours you're using it, of, as you said. yeah yeah. productively and how did you do that when you were writing your book because i know you mentioned um before about your book being a collection of your tweets yes. your amazing tweets which i loved but how did you yeah i guess i'm someone who gets distracted easily so Same. i feel like if i had to write something that's that many pages i would be like oh my goodness i'd have to lock myself in a place where <laughs> there's no phone and no people anyone uh-huh. to talk to even if there was like oh uh, yeah so how did you create undistracted focused time to write so luckily for me, I actually enjoyed writing, <laughs> but also I tend to work in bursts where I would do like five hours. I'll be up from 12 in the night till 5 a.m. It's so unhealthy, but that was how I did it because I'm a really, really, really easily distracted person. And that's why I designed the book in the way it's designed, where there aren't too many words on each page, because when I sit and read a full page of concentration, I can't tell you what I've read that's because my mind is just all over the place all the time but because I was really enjoying the process of writing it and because it's so visually exciting it meant that I was able to view the chunks I would write um and treat myself to an hour of scrolling like yeah I literally had to do that with myself I literally had to become my own parent and be like okay if you write for five hours you can scroll and laugh at memes for one hour. How's that sound? That. that was my equivalent to Haribo when you're seven. Yes. And I would do it. Brilliant. And it worked. Yeah. Or, or Lego if you're Jude. Or Lego if you are Jude. That's his thing. I'm like, once you've done this, you, you can, can build Lego. Yeah. yeah. I'll even join you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's brilliant. Okay. Wow. 12 to 5. But as you said, that time's uninterrupted because I yeah. guess there's nobody tweeting Everyone's you or... sleeping. Yeah. Including my family, everyone's sleeping. That's yeah. that's my uninterrupted time yeah. when everyone is sleeping. And the book is so beautiful and visual and you have you. a background, obviously, don't you, in art and yes. graphic design and that really comes across yeah, yeah. on the pages. Oh. This question is a question, um, well, firstly, coming, all, coming towards the end, sadly, um, yeah. that I want to share with the listeners. So basically, I'm encouraging people every week when they listen to the podcast to get involved with what I'm calling the Power Hour Challenge. So each guest is going to set the challenge for the week. So... If I could commit just one hour each day this week to focusing on improving my relationship with myself, then what could I be doing more of and what could I should I be doing less of? Ooh, okay, so I would dedicate that hour to... This might take you a bit longer than an hour, but it's good to just use that first hour to start. I would dedicate that hour to figuring out what your attachment style is because that sets the tone for pretty much every single relationship you have, will have and have had and it will give you a lot of clarity. So what I mean by attachment style is it's influenced heavily by your childhood and how you were brought up. So there are three key attachment styles. There is anxious, preoccupied, which is what I am. There is avoidant, dismissive and there is secure. So anxious, preoccupied is when you were inconsistently nurtured as a child so it meant that as much as your parents were loving in a way that you can only you can define what that is they still presented a lot of inconsistencies that made you feel really really 
um, scared and uncertain. So they might just go silent on you as a form of punishment or they would find other ways to weaponize their love for you. So it means that you grow up feeling, feeling like you need to jump through hoops for other people's approval and love and validation. Um, and the second attachment style is avoidance dismissive, where you're pretty much the complete opposite of anxious preoccupied. Your parents probably didn't really interact with you much. Um, they might have been abusive. And so it means that you are quite apathetic, even though you deeply do still want the same amount of intimacy as every single other person in this world. But you just don't know how to show it like them. Um, and how that shows up in your adulthood is that you feel like intimacy is you losing your freedom and you miss people more when they're away. But then when they're around you, you want to be alone. Um, and yeah, intimacy is something that makes you feel quite uneasy and you don't really know how to express love. And the people that you tend to be in relationships with will call you things like cold or you shouldn't be with anyone. Um, and then the last group is secure, where... Ideally, you were nurtured by parents who picked you up when you cried, who listened to you, who didn't call you names while trying to correct you. And so it means that you grow up um, being able to understand people better and distance doesn't make you feel threatened or scared and you don't have abandonment issues like someone who's anxious, preoccupied would have. Um, and why it's important that you learn this is because this will really show you how you behave when you are maybe collaborating with people or even just hanging out with friends and if you feel like you know if your friend doesn't text you back within four hours and you get really annoyed and upset at them that's one of the things that you might want to observe deeper and this will really really help you to either mend your relationships with people or even improve them but it will also give you a lot of clarity for your past relationships with people that haven't worked out and that you don't necessarily have answers for um, and there's a book that I read that really helps me with that and it's called Attached and the front cover just has two magnets that form a heart shape and I think that book is something that everyone should try and read and even though I'm someone who cannot read a whole page of concentration I read that whole book with concentration because it's so easy to take the information in if you can give yourself an hour to learn about how your childhood has shaped who you are that's such a valuable hour and none of it is going to waste even if you're reading it and watching tv and reading it you're learning about yourself and knowledge of yourself is never anything that is irrelevant or wasteful even if the results aren't immediately visible it's still something about yourself that you're now taking control of yes Yes, thank you to do. That's absolutely incredible. And I really agree. I read a book recently and a lot of it was talking about it was, it was causing me to be self-reflective. And, you know, it's asking me, um, you know, you rate from one to five, how many of these things, like you said, observing yourself and your own behavior. And it's difficult to do. I think it is really hard to do. It's hard to do honestly. And it sometimes I found myself almost having def been defensive to myself. Yeah. I was like, you, you do that. And then I was like, well, no, maybe just a bit. And I was like, no, you do that and you have to really be like look yeah inward and be like you do that but why and like yeah if you something that you want to change about yourself you can I think that's important to acknowledge because sometimes people will say well that's just who I am this is how I am and that is it no. but like you said if you're resonating with one of those three yeah um, attachment types yeah can people 
change if they don't like yeah. what they're learning about themselves the thing is you're never just one rigid attachment style throughout your life often what happens is the attachment style that you identify the most with is the one that's normally um quite reflective of your home situation when you were younger so if you're in a relationship that's similar to the relationship you had or have with one of your parents who created the toxicity in your life then you're gonna have that but then if you're around someone who's really secure and allows you to ease into yourself and doesn't make you feel those anxieties that you have in other aspects of your life then you won't you won't be presenting those behaviors so the whole point of it is to really encourage you to seek out those people and be conscious of those behaviors when they pop up because it's not going to go away overnight this is years and years and years of conditioning since you were born so it's not something that's going to be easy to do so you can't talk down to yourself in the process you can't beat yourself up in the process and ultimately you can't believe that you're a bad person that's the thing you have to believe that you are deserving and worthy of a new beginning just like everyone else is yeah yeah exactly and if you're motivated to change if you're willing to do that work that hard work you know as you said you know look um for the books read listen to podcasts do whatever it is if you're if you're motivated to change then i think you can you can yeah amazing and my last question for you which is a question i ask to all guests is i believe as i said before it's a power hour i believe that time is the most valuable thing that we all have you can you can't get more of it you can get your money back you cannot get your time back so what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you oh every situation that i found myself in whether good or bad whether fun or boring has led me to this particular version of my of myself that i am now and i have to honor that i can't you know be angry at myself for being in a situation where at the time i was in that i did what i knew best and i can't tell myself oh if I knew what I know now I would have done different because I didn't know what I know now and I need to accept that there will be future instances where I'm going to look back on the situation I'm in now and be like oh if I knew what I knew now so it's all about understanding that the way you behave now is relevant relative to what you know and I need to let myself ease through it and understand that it's time that's going to provide me with these lessons and it's going to provide me with this person that I'm being and I need to trust time as well and trust that what's what's meant for me is never going to hide from me um and but but before that I have to believe that it's mine and believe that I deserve it and believe that I'm not a bad person and that these things are meant for me and I should not be ashamed of saying that thank you to Dara thank you for having me Adrienne thank you I could talk to you all day all day long so it's been amazing if you have really really enjoyed this interview and are loving to do it which I'm sure you are then where can people find you if they don't already follow you online and in real life so on social media at the slum flower um, I'm going to be speaking at stylist live and L weekender um, L weekender is in December um, you can find my book what a time to be alone in all good bookstores including waterstones foils amazon but yeah, you probably see me on a billboard as yes, well. On the underground. Staring at you. In <laughs> with my afro. In magazines. Everywhere. She is everywhere. You <laughs> can't escape it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been amazing. Guys, please subscribe. Leave us a review. Leave us a five stars. All of that good stuff. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time. See ya. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 